I mean, it's kind of cute, right? Hello, and welcome back to Kinda Cute. This is your host, Bailey Evan, and today we're keeping things fun and flirty and fresh. I think there's only one kind of dark article we're discussing today. But before we get into the cut, I have some breaking news for y'all. So, if you're not familiar with Joe Keery, he plays Steve Harrington on Stranger Things, and I have been a fan of him since season one, and I know many people did not appreciate him in season one. They felt like he was just this douchebag, but I saw some nuance there. And fun fact for you, the Duffer brothers also saw nuance in Joe Keery himself, which is why they realized they could not make Steve Harrington the villain the high school bully. They had to give him some redeeming qualities. And now look how far he's come. He's literally like everyone's favorite. So in the first season, I was a fan and I learned that he was in a band called Post Animal. And I've now seen Post Animal four times. And I would like to think that makes me fangirl status and I'm fine with that. But And I swear, I'm I'm not trying to bury the lead here, but I feel like this context is important for you to understand why what I'm about to tell you is so critical to my life. Okay, so let's go back to that year that Stranger Things first came out, and I apologize that I don't remember, uh, a few years ago, and it was October 31st to be exact, that weekend, Halloween weekend. And our family was in Chicago at the time. And some other people might think that time was notable because uh, the Cubs were in the World Series. But to me, it was notable because Post Animal was putting on two performances in one night. The first was at the Broken Shaker. And we somehow snuck my sister in, who was not 21, or I don't even know if she was 18 at the time, to be honest. Uh, Got her into the bar, got her into this show, Got to be like five feet away from Joe Keery while they put on this performance, which was so much fun. They had projectors, like projecting all this weird crap on the walls. Excuse me for a moment. Joe Keery was in a ghost costume, which he still managed to look ravishing in. Who knew? And uh, we definitely copped out and were just wearing like animal ears that we had picked up at H&M and to this day I'm disappointed that I didn't wear my share costume that I had with me share as in share from clueless uh, but say lovey so we go to this broken shaker show it's super fun and then they post animal had posted on Instagram like DM us for the location of the show we're playing after the show at a house party So obviously I did, and we go to this house party in literal residential Chicago. I couldn't even tell you where we were, Uh, and it was literally, I felt like I was in Stranger Things. Like, I was two feet away from Joe Curie as he was smoking a cigarette, and, you know, kids, don't smoke. I shouldn't be saying it looked cool, but it looked freaking cool, okay? I can't deny him that, and this house was just, like, something out of a movie itself. It had gumball machines filled with tampons which hello yes please why isn't that implemented more places and they were selling pbr for a dollar i was like i am in a hipster dream right now and i am living for it so obviously we were too scared to talk to joe Curie. we just think we're creepily watching him from afar but fast forward to December of that same year and i was back in chicago visiting my best friend and who's from around the Chicago area and conveniently 
Post Animal is playing another show the day after my birthday. So we go. We have the best time. And then after the show, we take a tequila shot with Joe Keery. And I'd like to say I could remember more of this conversation, but I was on such an adrenaline high that all I know is that I asked him about how his trip to the Bahamas was because he had talked about that during the show. Like I kind of blacked it out and my best friend's brother was there with us and he said we were acting like giddy little like unicorns. I don't even know what. Um, he, he mimicked us and I was like, yeah, that's pretty spot on like how we looked. So whatever. I took a shot with Steve Harrington is the moral of this story. I tell it to everyone I can. I tell it to random waiters at the store. So, you know, in episode three of this podcast, it was about time you heard that story. So fast forward to today. Oh, and just to add, I also saw Post Animal sans Joe Keery when they came to West Palm, and that was a delight. Um, But yes, fast forward to today, and Joe Keery has released what I assume to be his solo career. I don't know how to pronounce the name. It's spelled D-J-O. Is it D-J-O? Is it D-J-O? Is it... How else could you say that? D-J-O? I mean, I, I don't know. Joe? Is it just Joe with a silent D? Um, I, I hope he enlightens us about that soon. And I have to say, the first single he's released called Roddy, it's on Spotify, and it's kind of a jam, like kind of fire. I actually thought Post Animal had some jams, and I would love to know their thoughts on this. Post Animal, I have a poster uh, from your 1229 concert a few years ago at the Empty Bottle in Chicago. Sorry, I'm reading off my poster right now. Uh, I think it says $5 admission. Damn, what a steal. Uh yeah, I would love to have you guys on the podcast and hear your thoughts about this. So I'm sure you're supportive of him, but it always sucks, you know, when, when one person goes solo and they're the star. But as my best friend put it, we will follow him to the ends of the earth. And I don't care what sort of fangirl that makes me. I'm ready to accept that lot in life. So I just thought you guys would want to know that. And the last thing I'll say about Joe Keery's new solo career is that the outro to the song says, locked in retrograde, I told you it was. We're locked in retrograde. Actually, the genius lyrics don't even really know what it's saying. It has little question marks. But it definitely says something about retrograde. And I mean, how fitting that we were just talking about that in, last, in the last episode. Anyways, okay, moving on to the cut. We have some gems today, as usual. We're starting out with an article called Inside Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio's Artistic Boys' Nights by Madeline Aguilar. So I hope the image is set in your mind already. Um, I love stories that just bring together like complete A-listers doing very just regular things. I think it goes back to just loving uh, those stars. They're just like us. Look, they get groceries too. It's like, no shit. They got to get milk too, homie. Uh, so I just love stories like this. Uh, this is a quote from a source. Don't you love when it's a source? Like, again, it just gets my curiosity going. I'm like, who is the source? Is this a publicist planting the story? Is this a begrudged friend? Is this someone who actually likes them and wants this story to get out? Is this Brad Pitt himself? So it says a source. Leo brings sandwiches over from their favorite place, Fat Sal's, and they spend their boys' nights creating art until the early hours. 
again, I would love to know more about this art. The article gives the impression that it's pottery. Why aren't we seeing this? Is this on Instagram? Is Leo making sustainable like little bowls to take out with him uh, when he goes to eat so he doesn't have to use plastic? I know he's super into saving the earth. Uh, what does Brad's look like? I, I imagine Brad making little uh, weed pipes to smoke his weed with because we all know he likes to, light, likes to light up a doobie every once in a while. And by every once in a while, I mean multiple times a day. So that's what I envision for him. Um, I don't know. Like, again, I would just, what I would give to be a fly on the wall. I always say if I had a superpower, it would have to be invisibility because to be a fly on the wall in situations like this, can you even imagine? Like, what do they talk about? Do they have a ghost moment on the pottery wheel? Like, the possibilities are endless, honestly. So this article ends with, is it possible we'll soon be able to buy misshapen mugs with enormous handles that say Pottery Posse on them on Etsy? Stay tuned. So <laughs> Pottery Posse is in quotation marks, and I'm assuming this is a jab at the Pussy Posse that like him and Tobey Maguire used to be a part of, and by him I mean Leonardo DiCaprio, uh, which is kind of disturbing, and I don't know how I feel about that, but funny joke, the cut. I, I'm Madeline. I appreciate it. And... This is just another situation like the Anwar talk from last week that I have so many questions about. Uh, just I I have to know. One of these days we'll find out, guys. I'm 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 counting on it for us. All right. So the next article, Ashley Benson's new tattoo has to be inspired by Cara Delevingne, right? By Amanda Arnold. So to give you the imagery for this story. Ashley Benson has what appears to be a CD tattooed on her side boob. A CD as in Cara Delevingne's initials. And Cara has a similar A in the similar position. So I'd just like to start off by saying I like this relationship. I did not like when Ashley was with Ryan Good. Do you guys remember Rye Good of Justin Bieber fame? He was kind of like Justin Bieber's hype man. I'm not really sure exactly what he did. That was always very unclear. He just liked to make himself very present in the documentaries, which, by the way, if you've never seen uh, Never Say Never, it's an incredible documentary. I can't say enough good things about it. Uh, both of these documentaries are amazing. I just... Yeah, don't I could do a whole episode on that and it's making me want to rewatch it right now, so we won't get into that too much. But yeah, Rygood uh featured heavily and he was in a long time relationship with Ashley Benson. So I loved that when she found love with Kara because I think this just is a more well suited relationship coming from someone who doesn't know either one of these people at all. But I do consume a lot of pop culture, so in my mind this is better. Uh I also would like to predict that I do think they are officially engaged. There's been a lot of rumors about this. I think it's true. I think they will get married. So I'm throwing it out there right now. I'm thinking like a uh, fall 2020 wedding, maybe even sooner, but that's what I'm going with for now. So if that turns out to be true, don't say I didn't tell you. All right, next. Megan the Stallion is trying to trademark Hot Girl Summer by Hannah Gold. So I've, I've heard of Megan the Stallion, and I say it like the because it's T-H-E-E. -E. So how I heard about her was uh, a couple weeks ago, I was in New York for 
the hills after show taping, which turned into a wild ride of me being on an elevator with the cast and singing Unwritten by Natasha Bedingfield and then Natasha Bedingfield getting on the elevator with us. Um, it, but in the course of that, I was, I was paired up with a girl who I came to talk to and she was very young, very hip. She was a stylist, a wardrobe stylist. And she, we were talking, I was telling, asking her about her favorite types of music and she told me Megan the Stallion. And I was like, oh, interesting. I haven't actually heard that name before. And I feel like I'm kind of young, kind of hip, kind of up with the kids these days. But I had kept hearing Hot Girl Summer on YouTube, like in just in the internet sphere. I, I could tell it was like, it was a lot of hashtag Hot Girl Summer. And I was into this vibe. I mean, I didn't know what it mean meant, but Hot Girl Summer, why not? I mean, sure. And apparently this term was kind of tangentially originated by Megan Thee Stallion. So this is what the cut has to say about it. This term is meant to be non-gendered. The hashtag hot girl summer has since taken on a life of its own. It can describe anything from a bikini or gym selfie to binging Fleabag alone with a $6 bottle of wine. It has been used more than 100,000 times on Instagram. So I like to go by the latter meaning of this because I think it's great to use hashtags ironically and not even ironically. Yeah, binging Fleabag alone with a $6 bottle of wine. Hell yeah, hot girl summer. I bet you look hot as hell doing that, girl. You keep doing you. <laughs> Sorry, I just got a little impassioned about that. So <clears throat> the cut goes on to say, in a cash flow sense, it's about time Megan took action. The catchphrase has already been appropriated for advertorial purposes by Wendy's, Forever 21, Maybelline, and somehow the language acquisition app Duolingo, which goes to show the remarkable versatility of the phrase. Now, I regret not looking these up before filming this podcast, but I would love if you guys looked into how Wendy's Forever 21, Maybelline, and Duolingo used Hot Girl Summer because I have a feeling it wasn't, I feel like it was appropriated in a very strange way. Um, Forever 21 probably put it on shirts. Wendy's, who the hell knows? They're probably like, buy a lemonade, hashtag hot girl summer. <laughs> Maybelline, I guess I get a makeup company. But Duolingo, what? Are they teaching people how to say hot girl summer in English? I, I can't wait to look that up after this. <laughs> okay, so next up is the one article I was talking about that maybe goes a little bit to the dark side. Actually, a lot, because it's fucked up. Um, it's called Ariana Grande Responds to Heartbreaking Stories About Predatory Photographer by Melinda Faquad. So to give you a little background, Marcus Hyde has photographed Ari and Kim K, to name a few. And so he's basically a celebrity photographer, kind of just in with that celebrity crowd. He, I believe he's done some art galleries, um, just trying to establish himself, himself in that way. And there's been some alarming allegations coming out about him, and they became exposed through a popular Instagram account called Diet Prada. And it was a particular model that sent in screenshots of a DM between her and Marcus Hyde, and it went like this. She said, so basically he was shutting her down, not wanting to photograph her unless she paid or unless she did nude photos. So she clarified and said, but nude is free? Marcus says, yeah. She says, okay, I can shoot nude, but I don't want to send you nude photos. He says, then don't, smiley face emoji. 
she says, okay, do you still want to shoot then? LOL. And he says, it's 2K. And she says, because I won't send you nudes of myself before shooting, to which he responds, yeah, got to see if you're worth it. Which, okay, ew. And then <laughs> when, when he saw that she had kind of publicized this, he responded with, suck a fat big dick. For one, strange phrasing, suck a fat big dick. Shouldn't it be suck a big fat dick? But ew, disgusting. I hope this guy's career is disintegrated after this because apparently she wasn't the only one who was coming in with these allegations. Uh, after this happened, a lot of anonymous stories about his alleged abuse happened on, uh, were coming in via Twitter. And it showed Hyde allegedly showing them unwanted dick pics, groping models, uh, non-consensual photo taking, stuff like that. So it's super disturbing. And the reason this article came out was uh, Ariana Grande's response and Kim Kardashian also responded. So Kim's was interesting because she said that, you know, their interactions have always been professional, but she was sad to hear that other women had had different experiences and that I'm, I'm paraphrasing here that we can't allow this type of behavior to go unnoticed. And she applauds those who speak out. And Ariana had a similar uh, sort of reaction, basically just saying, uh, please don't shoot with photographers who make you uncomfortable. If they tell you have to pay more money, if you're closed, that's effed. And I'm sorry that has happened to you. And I think probably what was happening with Marcus Hyde is like, it's like, of course, he's not going to treat these A-list celebrities like that because he knows that wouldn't fly with them. You know, it, it's, it's just a, such a pattern with these situations. And like we talked about with the Epstein situation in the first episode, people are going to take advantage of the disadvantage. And of course, celebrities are not going to get the same kind of treatment. You know, it's just the same as like when people who are lower down in an office don't get treated as well as the higher ups. It's it's so messed up. And I think every single person should be treated with respect, regardless of their place in life. But you can tell so many people just take advantage of this and don't approach life that way. So, again, I hope his I hope his career goes up in flames because it's just ugh, disgusting. Okay, guys, again, on to a much lighter note. This is so fitting, because when we were talking about the Cats trailer in the first episode, I don't believe I said this, but one of the things that made me crack up when I watched the trailer is there was a comment down beneath that said, this is what parents should show to their kids so they don't grow up to be furries. And I was just howling, because the accuracy. And you know what? I'm not one to judge people's choices. If they want to be a furry, all the power to you. Express yourself. Do your own thing. But again, I feel like this article is just so fitting because it says, how do furries feel about the new Cats movie by Madeline Aguilar? Um, <laughs> and let me just say, I encountered some furries for the first time last year and I did stare. Uh, because it's hard not to, if I'm being honest with you. It was a lot. They had full-on fluffy tails. They had, uh, like, the equivalent of, like, a mascot head on their actual heads. So it kind of demanded attention. 
but <laughs> I'm going to read you some quotes from this article. It said, people began demanding answers, answers to questions like, why did the cat's tails appear to come directly out of their buttholes? Why did the lady cats have human jugs? And most important, how does the furry community feel about it? Also, I was equally disturbed with why they literally put tits on these cats. Like, I understand that they must have just been molding to the actor's body, but it's disturbing. <clears throat> okay, so on to the furry community's response. This is another quote from the article. It says, The furry community is diffuse and varied, but most commonly associated with fursuits, which are mascot-esque costumes that furries will don to inhabit their fursonas, a term that refers to one's animal alter ego. Uh, and that's exactly what I saw when I was out. It was definitely like a mascot situation. And so apparently, according to the cut, the responses were not universally negative. Atlas Inu, an illustrator whose first Sona is a Shiba Inu, told the cut that while the trailer is not quite furry to me personally, more like humans with cat makeup and features added, she really liked it overall. Uh, I see that because the, the, the cats, I, I'm sorry, the furries I saw in person looked way more like the cats on Broadway and way more like what this movie should have looked like than... Uh, what ended up happening. Okay, so let's get the another perspective from a furry. Schneppy, a snow leopard shepherd fursuit, a snow leopard shepherd, okay, said that he was thrown off by the decision to animate the cats. I remember growing up and seeing photos of the beautiful fuzzy leggings, wild outfits, and frizzy colorful hair in the cat's Broadway production ads, he said. Those costumes, he explained, along with Chewbacca's and Star Wars, were what inspired him to want to make fuzzy costumes of his own. I wish the Cats movie had stuck with the handcrafted costumes and sets at the Broadway production and found actors that can bring the costumes to life. And honey, schneppy, this is where we agree. I totally agree with this furry persona's perspective. And case closed. That's what should have happened. We don't need to discuss this Cats trailer ever again until they see the movie, and then I'm obviously going to go on a rant about it. But until then... Hopefully, I will not be burdening you with any more talk about this. Um, but Google Furries, it's very interesting. <laughs> okay, so I think that's everything for our cut articles today. And as usual, we're going to end off with one of my legit shit tips for this episode. Again, this is something I covered on my blog, which you can find at baileyevin, B-A-I-L-E-Y-E-V-I-N.com is secret deodorant balls. I don't know the official terms of them, but I will put a link to them in the show notes. And if you do a little quick Google for secret deodorant balls, I'm sure you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. They're these adorable little balls. I like the blue scent best. It has little shells on it. It doesn't have much product, but these are so perfect for throwing in your bag because unlike the other travel size deodorants where the cap pops off and you get little deodorant crumbs all over your stuff, this cap stays on because it's a screw top. It's so small. You can throw it in a purse. You won't even need like a tote size bag to carry this. You can put it in a little uh, crossbody. Super cute. Smells good. Keeps you fun and fresh. What more could you want? So if you liked this episode, I would really appreciate it if you gave it a five-star review uh, left a written review, subscribed. As usual, you can find this on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher. And you can find me at Bailey Evan on Instagram and Bailey Evan on YouTube. And until next time, I will see you. Bye!